0: The Information Security Forum is out with its annual threat report that looks two years into the future. Hello, I'm Eric Chambro of Information Security Media Group, and joining me to discuss the report entitled Threat Horizon 2015, New Dangers from Known Threats, is the forum's global vice president, Steve Durbin. Welcome back, Steve. Hi, Eric. Good to be here. As its title suggests, This year's threat report identifies the biggest risk to enterprises is from known threats. What are those threats and why is the old also the new?
1: Good question to start with. I mean, understanding threats, you know, is is fundamental to enterprise risk management. Every organization really needs to evaluate threats within the context of their own business to determine risks. I think one of the key things that we've noticed this year is that threats have evolved. Attackers have become... More organized attacks have become more sophisticated. And old threats are more dangerous and pose more risk to organizations simply because they've had that degree of maturing. And I think that increase in the sophistication of the people who are behind the attacks, behind the breaches, has increased significantly. And, you know, as we've talked about before, Eric. Security organizations are still uh, even in two thousand and thirteen in catch up mode in terms of trying to pull together the resources that they 've got in place to address some of these key issues and, and that 's the, that's the backdrop really for the um, for the overall report that we 've produced and we've highlighted five key areas the first is, is that of cyber risk challenging to understand and address as, as we put it the second we've moved into the area of uh, reputational damage for, for organisations. There's a section this time on the way in which criminals have uh, developed and we've called that crime as a service having upgraded to version 2.0 which gives you some, some view as to uh, how we're seeing that. Uh, and then of course some of the contributing factors behind this continuous uh, changing pace of technology and government and, and legislation and regulation which is uh, is causing all sorts of issues. Irrespective of which jurisdiction you happen to be placed in.
0: Let's go over these five different recommendations, maybe not in the order you gave. And you just said among the recommendations is a protecting reputation. Your report states that reputation is a new target for cyber attacks. How so?
1: Yeah, I think we've moved to an environment where we really operate in, in the court of public opinion. The majority of people, when they get out of bed in the morning, the first thing that they are now doing you know, is checking their smartphone. They're looking at their email. They're looking at their Twitter feed. They're looking at YouTube. Any real impact of a, of a threat or an attack on an organization that goes viral is difficult to control. Hacktivists obviously understand this, and they are, I think, uh, pretty determined to uh, make their case, particularly if they have an axe to grind with, with particular organizations. I mean, let's, let's just look at some of the global brands recently, for instance, that have had exceptionally bad press. Uh, I'm thinking of Amazon, I'm thinking of Google, I'm thinking of Starbucks. You know, recently encountered public relations issues around tax avoidance. Now, none of these companies did anything that was illegal. They were all 100% legally compliant. But the criticism that was levied against them um, and was fueled by social media and, and uh, uh, disgruntled employees and, and a whole collection of um, real viral traffic around this um, caused a major reputational hit, which Starbucks themselves, for instance, admit did impact on the bottom line. So organizations are having to equip themselves very much better to deal with this whole attack on on reputation. And the faster that an organization is able to respond, the more it knows about the particular issues that uh, uh, are being raised by activist groups or, or virally and can say credibly um, what their position actually is, then the less severe the impact is. That means they have to have clear ways of collaborating within their own organizations. They have to have established methods of using social media feeds, and they have to have um, honest relationships with, uh, with the media um, in order to, uh, to, to combat these things, plus, of course, an understanding of, of exactly where things are sitting from a data perspective uh, across their own organizations. So a real opportunity, I think, for security departments and business departments uh, to combine within organizations to, uh, to get their arms around how they're going to deal with this issue of reputational risk, uh, because it's very real, and uh, we've seen some examples of it already this year.
0: In recent weeks, President Obama has brought cybersecurity to the forefront. Still, the Threat Horizon report suggests that the role of government is often misunderstood. Please explain.
1: We're seeing a lot more focus from governments around the world, and President Obama certainly, I think, has, has taken something of a lead in setting out the stall for the United States government in, in where it is going to stand on this, and, and clearly involving NIST. And, and I'm very happy to say that the ISS is, uh, has been asked to work uh, witnessed in, in putting together some of the input that President Obama has, uh, has asked for from, uh, from an international uh, standpoint. So we're ha- very happy to be doing that. Governments, you know, inevitably have a role to play in securing cyberspace. W- what is their role? For my money, it is about setting expectations. It, it is about putting in place regulation. Now, some people will view it as being very, very light touch. Others will want to have a much a stronger set of guidelines. I mean, the European Union, for instance, is being very clear about where it stands on the whole issue of data protection, privacy, personally identifiable, identifiable information. That is not in line with some of the views that are coming out of the United States, for instance. And so there is some debate that's going on around the world in all of these areas. That makes it quite difficult. For organisations at the moment, because they have to try to keep up with the changing regulatory pattern. But governments around the world, I think, have determined that they have a role to play in at least setting down the, the the ground rules, the guidelines as to what they believe is acceptable within their own jurisdictions, and then collaborating at the international level to try to make cyberspace safer for us all. But they are not going to go about implementing some of these guidelines within organizations. They cannot do that. And so the threat or the danger is that organizations assume that governments are going to be doing all of this for them. And organizations really do have a key role to play themselves in better protecting their own information. Yes, to conform with the regulation and, and the guidelines that are being set down, but also to ensure that they are doing the best for their shareholders and for their clients and, of course, their employees in terms of making sure that data is protected and that they're behaving in an effective fashion to counter cyber attack. And the, the other piece, there, of course, is that regulation simply can't keep up with the speed of technology. And so there is always going to be a lag between what is capable from a technological standpoint and what regulation is in place. And I think that's why it's so very important that governments do set overall overarching strategic guidelines and and regulations as to uh, what it is that they're expecting.
0: There's been a lot of attention recently on nation-state attacks on Western corporations from China and Iran, but the threat report suggests those responsible for enterprise IT security should pay particular attention to criminals. Why are criminals such a nuisance?
1: We say a crime as a service is upgraded to version 2.0. What, what do we mean by that? Well, we mean that criminals have become better organized. Organized crime has moved into this place. We know that criminals, as we talked about last year, really haven't suffered from, from the downturn. They are still better equipped than a lot, of, a lot of organizations from a financial standpoint, from an equipment standpoint. They've also become, I think, very innovative and sophisticated in looking at how they can circumvent organizations' security mechanisms. We're also seeing an increase, of course, in uh, unemployed and, and potentially disgruntled employees who form something of a potential talent group for, uh, for criminals to gather information that's needed for them to attack organizations. You know, the value of a, of a person's identity is certainly eclipsed by the access that has having that uh, that person's identity can give you to intellectual property that sits within an organization, to insight into uh, research and development and so on, all of which has a value on the black market. So what we're seeing, I think, is, is simply an opportunity that uh, criminals are taking advantage of, as indeed they have always done. But we've moved into the, the electronic age of crime, which is much cleaner, which is much safer, uh, which doesn't require you to go down to your local bank with a, with a gun, and yet you are still able to act. Access highly valuable information which yes you can sell and indeed you, you can also make a significant profit out of the short answer is why is crime such an issue is because the money has moved online and there is an opportunity that they are looking to take advantage of it's as simple as that really
0: well, of course we're seeing a lot of a uh, change in technology how is the rapid pace and change of technology increasing the cyber threat
1: I think we've got a couple of things going on here. Technology is is moving ahead at, you know, an absolutely relentless pace. The amount of information that we generate and create on a daily basis is still increasing exponentially, and so is the demand for access to it anywhere, anytime, and from from any device. People have already got their own cloud-based services, for instance, that they're they're running. Uh, And so organizations, I think, are really trying to get their arms around how they can deal with some of the challenges, the, the consumerization and bring your own movements, having to deal with organizational data and, and structures, um, whilst also protecting the amount of uh, information that they're continually generating within the enterprise themselves. We are saying that organizations cannot ignore bring your own device initiatives. They are, they are here to stay. It is about how you deal with them. We are saying that integration of the whole mobile device environment is complex and does need very careful consideration. We are saying that the whole move towards consumer oriented technologies in the workplace are necessarily changing the way in which organizations have to deal with how they handle corporate data and and mixing that potentially with privately owned data. And we're seeing an increase in the number of different architectures that are simply having to come into an organization's remit to manage exactly what is going on out there. We've seen the death of, of the enterprise network. It doesn't exist anymore. It's an open network now. And we've had to move back, I think, from an organizational standpoint to focusing very clearly on the data uh, on what is important to us as an organization and how access to that data can be effectively and securely managed, um, which is a, a bit like going back in time to the days of the mainframe when we used to look at where we were holding our most secure data and, and how it was being accessed. But things have moved on. Obviously, we work in a, in a very different, much more dynamic complex environment. But it's all about going back now and having to really understand the data, the importance of the data, categorizing the security of the data, and then determining from there how you're going to enable access to it. Things are changing at a pace, you know, at the, at the speed of a tweet.
0: Obviously, this isn't just a concern of the Chief Information Security Officer. Cyber risk is a challenge to the whole organization, but that is something that organizations are finding hard to address at the upper level. So, why so? Yeah, some So
1: research that we've been looking at, you know, Ernst & Young in their global information security survey just last year, 2012, found that about a quarter of organizations that they had spoken to had given responsibility for information security to to the C-level, CEO, the CFO, the COO. 75% had not done so. The World Economic Forum also has expressed concern that, again, in their estimation, probably only about a third of companies are discussing this issue of cyber risk at the board level. We still have a ways to go in terms of senior executives understanding cyberspace, space, understanding the risks they need to knowingly accept in order to be effective in this area. And I think there's a role for a security professional clearly in increasing the level of awareness within the enterprise, increasing the level of awareness at the, at the C-suite level. Just some of the impact. Not being fully up to speed with uh, cyberspace and the dependence that an organization has on cyberspace, the impact that that can have on an organization, on losing potentially customer trust, on losing potentially intellectual property, on losing market opportunity. And so, you know, when I look at um, the whole area of cyber from a, from a senior executive perspective, I see it as, as one that is full of opportunity provided. You understand clearly where the risks are and you've made sensible decisions about how you're going to go about running your business in, in the cyber world because it does require you to think differently perhaps about your supply chain, about the people that you do business with, the people you share data with uh, because you know, if you're holding intellectual property for instance at your, um, at your lawyer's offices, um, how secure is that? You may have the most secure network in the world, but you've now handed over data to a third party. Have you asked the right questions about how they're securing that? And these are the sorts of things, I think, that that we need to be thinking about. And so the dynamic is changing, again, I think away from, from one where we can control clearly everything that is going on within our own organization to having to take a much more expansive and perhaps holistic perspective on how we manage security of our enterprises and our information when we're working across many networks, many jurisdictions, many environments. And that has to be a boardroom issue because, again, the security folks can put in place some of the guidelines, but they can't make the business call. They can't tell the business what risk profile the business wishes to carry or how the business is going to go about growing its market share in an effective or indeed safe, inverted commas, fashion much more requirement, I think, for business and security work to work collaboratively together. There is clearly work to be done in this space, as as some of these surveys that I I
0: referenced have have pointed out. Thanks, Steve. Pleasure, Eric. I've been speaking about the threat horizon with Steve Durbin of the Information Security Forum. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.